Good morning again, and thank you so much for being with us. If you have your Bible, we'll be in the book of Acts in just a few minutes, so you can go ahead and turn there. Let me give you just a couple of announcements. We do have a Next, next Steps class this afternoon, so if you've got any uh, interests or questions about potentially joining our church, this is the first time you've ever visited or the 50th time, we'd love to have you. Uh, we'll meet right in here so I can find you, but then uh, we will uh, matriculate from in here into um, uh, the classroom right outside that door. But I'll be looking for you this afternoon at 4 o'clock. If you get here and there's singing going on in here, it's okay. There, there's a lot happening up here today, so just come on in and we'll find you uh, at 4 o'clock. Uh, also, um, our mission emphasis for the month is prisoner packets. Sometimes we do mission emphasis that are pretty self-explanatory and they make good sense easily. Then we have others that need a little explanation. Our prisoner packets is one of those. Um, you can pick up the information about that out front or in the, at the Welcome Center in the back where the life groups are in the gym. Um, but uh, what it is is just a, a packet of material that will go to prisoners actually at Christmas so uh, things like notebook paper and soap and stuff of that nature might not seem like a big deal for a lot of prisoners. This is the only gift they'll receive at Christmas. So we have the opportunity to do that. But also, if COVID allows us, historically what's happened is that um, we've been able to get into our prisons and hand deliver those packets in the name of Jesus to folks. So just know that that's one of those, um, one of those opportunities we have to serve prisoners. Jesus said that we are to visit those in prison to serve, but it's, it's very palpable, right? There's, there's believers who are putting those into the hands of incarcerated individuals um, and sharing with them the love and the hope of Jesus Christ. So if you'd like to participate in that, uh, the instructions about that are in those areas, or you would have received it in your email recently. All right, Acts chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse 34. As we watch the church of Jesus Christ continue to expand in the first century. So stand with me if you would in honor of God's word if you're able. And let me read to you beginning in Acts chapter 10 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right and acceptable to. Or, let me start over. This is twice this morning already that I've messed up reading. So let's try again. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all, on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? 
And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray, God, that you would open our hearts to hear your word, even when it's uncomfortable. Challenge us to be like Peter, willing to change, Lord God, as you direct us. In Christ's name, amen. Is it beyond, is anyone beyond God's reach? Is anyone beyond God's reach? You know, it's amazing how we can sort of create our own narratives of the way things are and our, our perspectives. Um, what we see happening right here is that, and we, for those of you who are visiting with us, or maybe this is your first time, we've been in the book of Acts now forever. Uh, no, since about uh, since February, I believe, we've been in the book of Acts. And so last week we saw how the Lord had sent Peter to Cornelius' house. And today what we're seeing is the result of that visit. The, the absolute positive result um, and affirmation that God doesn't show favorites. God doesn't show partiality that all who would call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Everybody. There's, there's not anybody that exists outside of God's gospel. But Peter also shows us in this passage of scripture that people can and should change. Now we tend to focus in this passage of scripture on the fact that the Gentiles Change. The Gentiles heard the gospel. They were saved. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. And of course, we see the expansion of the church into the Gentile nations. But I want you to understand, or at least pay attention and notice this morning, that it wasn't only Cornelius' household that changed. It was Peter who changed. Peter. Now, when we think about Peter's change, Peter basically, watch, he says, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation... Um, Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. That's the word he sent through. What? Now I understand. It's kind of like Peter says, oh, now I get it. Now I see. Now, it's important for us to remember, who was Peter? Peter was one of Jesus' best friends when Jesus walked the face of the planet, right? Peter walked with Jesus. He may have at times lived with Jesus. It appears as though that Jesus actually lived with Peter's, in Peter's household for some time. They spent lots and lots and lots of time together. Peter had been a believer as long as Jesus had been around. G Peter was the very first one who confessed Jesus as the Christ. And yet here we are, some years after the ascension of Jesus, that Peter gets this message from the Holy Spirit. Peter goes to Cornelius' household, and then Peter goes, oh, Now I get it. Truly, truly, I understand. Remember, if you were speaking that in cowpens, you would go, oh. For those of you that don't know where cowpens are, it's okay. It's not, but you should. But a lot, of, a lot of wisdom up that way. So I've heard. Believer, listen. You need to be willing to change. Before we get into all that's going to happen in Cornelius' house, let me remind you that you need to be willing to change. Peter was the leader of the church. The lead, like, not like one of the leaders. Like this morning, we could talk about the pastors of this church. We can talk about the deacons of this church. and It's like, who's, who's the leader of the church? So some people would say me. Some people would say, you know, somebody else. Um, some people, obviously, we should all say the Holy Spirit. That's what we hope to see leading the church more than anything. But when it's all said and done in the first century, there's no question about who's leading the church. Jesus said it. You are Peter, and on you, on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So Jesus said, Peter, you're going to be the leader, and then lo and behold, guess what happens? Peter is the leader. He's the one out front. 
He's the one talking. He's the one speaking. He's the one helping to guide and shape this early movement of God in the first century. This is who it is. And yet, the leader, the big boss of the church goes, I didn't get it. Believer, listen to me. You need to have the kind of openness in your life to be willing to change. And that jumped off the page at me this week. It really jumped off the page at me this week. That as a follower of Jesus, I should be willing to change. Listen, changing my position does not make me unfaithful if the position that I adopt is more in line with God's Word. Don't let your pride get in the way of doing the right thing. I'm going to say that again. Don't let your pride get in the way of doing the right thing. I, just this morning, it's, I won't call it coincidental, I'll call it providential because I think the Lord aligned some of these things for us. But I had the opportunity uh, to read an interview with Philip Yancey. Uh, it was actually on CNN of all places, but an interview with Philip Yancey. And, and Philip Yancey's a well-known evangelical author. Uh, he's written uh, probably one of the best-selling books ever on heaven, um, several other things. What's so amazing about grace was one of Philip Yancey's books. But I didn't know this. Philip Yancey was raised in, in, a, in, in apparently a very racist household. And, and in that interview, and even, even in a racist church, and in that interview he talks about going to uh, religious conferences or, or gatherings where the KKK was present. And, um, uh, and, and, and he talks through that about how he transitioned away from that racist past to embrace an all-inclusive gospel and to understand that God has indeed come for all people. And I said, wow, it was really good for me to see that just as affirmation this morning because the Lord's kind of been beating on me this week about the necessity for we as followers of Jesus to be willing to change when it becomes apparent that the Word of God is leading us in a different direction than the one we've been living in. Peter lived with Jesus a long time. Peter had been following Jesus a long time. And yet, Peter still didn't get it. And when the Word of God became more and more apparent to him, Peter was willing to step out and say, Oh, this is what I should be doing, and this is what the Holy Spirit of God is commanding us to do. When Peter went to Cornelius' house, I want you to think about what others might have said about him. See, we don't do this much because we go, look, the Holy Spirit fell. I want you to know that when Peter showed up at Cornelius' house, Cornelius' people were happy to have him there. Peter's people were not happy that Peter was there. Let's remember that. What might they have said? Think about it. Was Peter a sellout because he had gone to the Gentiles? Had Peter gone liberal? Had Peter gone woke? Was he turning his back on his family? Listen, all of these things would have been said about Peter. I don't want us to miss this. And the best way for us to understand this as followers of Jesus right here in the South, especially those of you who are, are a little bit older than me, is to remember what it was like if you were the first person in your family or one of the first people in your family or your friend group to turn away from sort of the racism that was present within our culture in that time and to see how easily you became ostracized. Some of you know what it's like the first time that you said that you were comfortable with, for instance, an interracial marriage in the way that that created divisions or barriers between you and some other people. That's the easiest way for us to understand what's happening right here. When Peter showed up and was willing to go and preach to Cornelius' house, He's looking at some of his family members and he's going, look, the God said this. And they're saying, you sell out? Who are you? 
They are the enemy. If God wanted to save the Gentiles, then God could have done it some other way, but God has not sent us there. I, I hope that that phrase is not offensive to any of you, but y'all, if it is, I need you to understand you're holding on to something other than God's word far too tightly. We can sometimes hold on to our traditions, our worldviews, our politics so tightly that we don't actually allow the word of God to make its way in. As I mentioned last week, the Bible is above politics. And when we choose, if you choose to live according to God's word, you will sometimes be called a pro progressive or a conservative or a liberal or a fundamentalist. You know you're winning when people call you both of those things, okay? Like if you can be called a fundamentalist and a liberal at the same time, you're probably living pretty close to God's word. You understand? It got really quiet in here. Like, <laughs> real quiet. Ultimately, whatever people call you, clinging to God's word teaches us that the gospel is available to all. See, it's gotten quiet and uncomfortable for some of you going, I thought this sermon was all about these people getting saved. Here's what I want you to understand. Unless Peter was willing to live differently than he had been raised, these people wouldn't have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? You see, the gospel is only good news if it gets there. And Peter wouldn't have gotten there if he lived according to the traditions he'd been raised in. This is possible. It is possible for you to be a believer who's followed Jesus for a very long time and still need to change your life to get in line with the Word of God. It is possible that you have understood something about God's Word for 30 years and that you've been wrong for 30 years and you need to change your view. That is possible. Peter hadn't been a follower of Jesus for 30 years, but at this point, we don't know. It might have been 10 Ten years, maybe, that the follower of Jesus, the one, right? You got the top three, the big three right there, Peter, James, and John. And Peter's the one that Jesus said, you're going to build the church, and yet it was this Peter. You say, well, this was a new revelation. Folks, it was never a new revelation. God had never stopped the Jews from going to the Gentiles. You will not find that word in the Old Testament. There was never an imposition against God's people taking the gospel to other people. The good news, what was Israel called to be? A nation of priests bringing those outside of Israel into the faith of the true and living God. But what did Israel do? Israel said it's ours and we don't want to deal with those people. Jesus didn't give Peter a new revelation Jesus slapped Peter on the hand and said, get in line. Get on board. The gospel's bigger than you and bigger than your prejudices and bigger than your desires. Listen, no one is beyond God's reach. No one. No one. In my home church, we sang regularly, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. It's a good King James version of that. And the second verse says this, O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every 
believer the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes. That moment from Jesus a pardon receives. That song goes on to say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And then I forgot the rest of it. Let the people rejoice. Thank you. Appreciate that. Stage fright, I guess. I don't know. Folks, no one is beyond God's reach. God shows no partiality. If partiality is being shown, it's not by him. Guess who it's by? It's by us. We are the ones who mess that up, not him. We've got regular reminders in God's Word. God's Word is filled with warnings against partiality. Filled with warnings against partiality toward the rich, or toward the able, against those who would uh, trample upon the poor. All these things are full up in God's Word. James says that true religion is what? Those who visit orphans and widows. Right? It's right there. We've got all of these responsibilities to go to those folks who are less than those folks who are struggling, who are hurting, who the world might even suggest is undeserving, and yet the Lord sends his people there because there's no partiality. That's what Peter learned. Peter learned that some of you need to learn some new things from God's word. And we all need to regularly take a spoonful dose of humility so that we can hold our theological positions with an open hand. Now, when I say that, and some of y'all go, whoa, that's heresy. Listen to me. Peter was not concerned about the slippery slope he was going to slide down because he obeyed God's word. Peter was not concerned about the slippery slope he was going to slide down because he obeyed God's word. Peter understood that what he was doing broke with tradition. Now, if we just want to talk about this, and when we talk about conservative and liberal, we talk about this so much as politics right now. So let's talk about conservative and liberal politics, and let's talk about what conservative and liberal should be as it relates to the Word of God, okay? So when we talk about conservative and liberal, liberal politics, generally there's the idea that we're going to conserve one way of life, or we're going to be liberal and not conserve it. So there would be those who were, were thinking specifically about their, their, their lifestyle, and they would have said that Peter was being a liberal, because he didn't desire to conserve a particular way of life. We've got to get past political conversation. Our ultimate objective is not to be conservative politically, but to be conservative with the Word of God. There's a difference. When I'm conservative about my approach and my interpretation of the Word of God, what that means is that I believe that this Word and its teachings should be conserved. Not a particular way of life. And then I'm going to trust that what this Word says is I seek to live conserving that. Then whatever that leads me into, whatever the world may say about it, as long as I'm honoring and obeying God's Word, then everything else will be just fine. This is why we need to hold some of our, our, our sort of even theological and worldview positions with an open hand because some of them are difficult to understand. And, I'm open, and my open hand is this, not that I don't believe it with all my heart. My open hand is that I believe it in as much as God says for me to believe it. And that if I come to understand, if it becomes obvious that I'm in error, I'm not holding on to my way of life. I'm only holding on to this word. 
And I'm allowing it to drag me wherever it would have me to be. You understand? There's a difference. So when we say, for instance, as followers of Jesus, that we are conservative about marriage, that doesn't primarily have to do with culture. That's secondary. Primary is that we have to do with what the Word of God teaches. Then we trust that the Word of God will shape the culture through the people of God. We get it backwards. Now, again, what if Peter had said, I'm not going there because those people are sinners and I need to be with the people of God. And this is how I've always done it. His mama would have been happy. His grandpa would have been thrilled to death because he's conserving. He's doing it. That's my boy. He's not going to deal with those people. If his grandpa found out where he was going, his grandpa was not happy. You understand? No, Peter, we don't do that. Many of his friends would have not been happy. No, Peter, that's not who we are. But Peter says, look, i got to live my life with an open hand because who I was doesn't matter. What Jesus is making me into is what matters most of all. And when Jesus says go, i got to go. When he says change, I have to change. When he says repent, I have to repent. And it doesn't matter if you've been believing something wrongly for the last decade. If you've been believing it wrongly, then please walk away. Trust Jesus. Don't worry about the slippery slope. Well, if I do that, what comes next? Well, hopefully the next thing that would come is that you would cling more tightly to the Word of God the next time around. Well, Pastor, I've always believed this about the book of Revelation, but... Now, I'm not sure that my belief is right about that, but, but if I give up on that, then what comes next? Y'all, the only thing that must matter is what? What does the Bible say? And the next thing that should come is, well, what does the Bible say? And the next thing is, how can I live according to it a little bit more? Oh, we worry about slippery slopes when we ought to be. That sometimes the slippery slope we need to be most worried about is that we would cling to our own traditions rather than to the Word of God. The slippery slope we should be most worried about is that the traditions of man would drag us further and further away from commitment to uh, the Word of God. All right, moving on. All right, God shows no partiality. He don't care about our commitments, okay? He, 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 nobody's beyond God's reach, but we got to be careful. When I was a kid, and, and, and this is just so we can attach some specifics, and we'll step out of the political realm for a little. When I was a child, um, there was a church down the street from my home church, literally less than five miles, and um, they had a baptistry just like ours, um, and... Uh, but uh, in, in the back of theirs, like many baptistries were at the time, they had a scene painted, right? Y'all remember those that had like the creek scene in the back or whatever? Uh, and, uh, and in their particular baptistry, uh, they had a, a picture of Jesus and John the Baptist, right? So John is baptizing Jesus. And Jesus and John the Baptist uh, looked like we would assume Jesus and John the Baptist, maybe to a look, except they were probably super white, um, but they had long hair. During the 70s and 80s, when there was so much angst in the church about long hair on men, because somebody got mad about it, what it was was they got mad with the hippies. Seriously, this is no lie. They paid an artist to come in and alter the painting to give them short hair. The only reason we laugh about it right now is because it's in the past. I want you to understand that some of y'all live long enough to have been in the church, in churches at that time, where people were jumping up and down. 
But how ungodly it was for a man to walk in with long hair. And they got so legalistic about their traditions that they were willing to go in and alter Jesus' haircut to make him look like he got a haircut at a barber shop in 1986. <laughs> Let's be careful that we don't allow the traditions of man to influence, to over-influence our understanding of God's Word. All right, so... Uh, God shows no partiality, and, and, and the best way we avoid that is by we cling to the Word. Second thing, we are commanded to go. Somewhere along the way, we were led to believe that not everyone... Oh, man, that microphone just caught and nearly took my head off. All right. Um, somewhere along the way, we were led to believe that not everyone is expected or commanded to share the gospel. Now, this is a distortion of our understanding of spiritual gifts. There, there are certainly... Uh, some who are particularly gifted as an evangelist, but they are not the only ones who are called to share. Jesus gave the Great Commission to everyone. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The, challenge to, the, the call to evangelize may be challenging, but it is not optional. The call to evangelize may be challenge, challenging, but it is not optional. Um, uh, Paul, or excuse me, Peter um, says in verse 42, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. Um, now, just because something is hard does not mean that you don't have to do it. Now, when we speak of evangelism, Admission. I, I love to use the language of get to, right? We get to share the gospel. We have the opportunity. And that's important for us to think that way. That's appropriate for us to think that way. But we should not use the language of get to at the expense of the reality of have to. Just because something is a wonderful opportunity does not then mean that it's not a command. Peter says that Jesus commanded us to preach to the people. Do you know that you are commanded to go? You say, but Pastor Craig, it's hard for me. Okay. All, that, that, that's fine. I, I know that it can be challenging. I'm probably more comfortable with that than most of the people in this room. But I, I want you to know that it's still not exactly always super easy for me to initiate a gospel conversation with somebody. Sometimes that takes a whole lot of courage on my part. Deep breaths. I'm not going to lie. It's been in those times when I've actually just went, you know what, we're going to do this and I don't want to. So you just kind of spill it all at one time. Can I tell you about Jesus? And like, what did you just say? All right, I just, can I please? I, 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 I would like to tell you about Jesus. Can I invite you to my church? There's a whole lot of things in this world that are not easy for me, but I still have to do them. My wife is a wonderful cook. If I'm sweet, sometimes she makes me a peach cobbler. Sometimes when I'm not sweet, I have to make my own. Y'all, I, I could honestly eat the whole thing. I mean the whole thing. And understand, 
She, she doesn't cook small. When she makes biscuits, she makes four dozen. There's nothing small about the way that she cooks. Um, and so when she makes a peach cobbler, she's not like some of y'all that makes one of those little square pans. We're talking about the big 9 by 13 that's deep, and she doubles the recipe so that there's plenty to go around. And it's wonderful. And I could eat it all, every bite, with a whole carton of ice cream. Okay? But I don't. It's not because I don't want to. It's because I don't want to weigh 300 pounds. 400, let's be honest. <laughs> it, that, that's why. I mean, it's because I know it's not good for me. It's not easy for me to walk away from that, but I know that I don't need to do it. There are just things in life that I know I don't need to do or that I do need to do. And when it comes to evangelism, it is a wonderful opportunity. It's a privilege that God allows us to be his mouthpiece, to speak the hope of the gospel in the lives of others. It's a privilege. There is no plan B, but understand, it's not only a privilege and an opportunity. It is a command of Jesus Christ. I'm not here to build, to put you down or to heap guilt upon you, but we need to speak the truth. And the truth of the matter is, if you are not somewhat regularly seeking opportunities to share your faith with others, you are not honoring Christ. So let's get very specific. If somebody tells you to do something, if that somebody is God, and if you disobey God, there's a word for that. That word is sin. And when we choose to not share the gospel, we are living in sin. Peter said Jesus commanded us to go. He commanded us. You're commanded to go. Even when it's uncomfortable. Even when you don't want to. Even when that person is not the person you would generally want to eat dinner with. Or hang out with. Or spend time with. Need I remind you again? Cornelius' household was not a place where Peter hung out most of the time. And yet when the opportunity presented itself, he showed up. How horrible would it have been if Peter had gotten this knock on the door? Is there a guy named Peter there? We need somebody to come tell us about Jesus. And Peter said, oh no, I'm not going into the house of those filthy Gentiles. You understand, had Peter first not been willing to be changed by the word of God, to change his opinion, his perspective, and then to be obedient to the command of Christ, Cornelius' household wouldn't have heard the gospel. There's a command to go. Third, this morning, I want to encourage you. If we ask about whether or not anybody's beyond God's reach, remember, God shows no partiality. You're commanded to go. But I want to encourage you this way. The gospel is enough. You don't have to know everything. You won't know everything. Sloan got a book at the book fair this week. If you're an elementary school principal or teacher, y'all are crooked for doing those book fairs. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> just ask me for a donation. I'll give it and I'll save money. A lot of money. Actually, it was grandparents this time. They'll get me in the spring. They do it twice. They, they, 
They suck the life out of grandparents one time, and then they come for the parents. But, uh, you know, my kids come home with a book about animals, and uh, Sloan had one, and I don't remember him in Brooklyn. I've been reading it. And Did you know that this particular shark does that? And I was like, I didn't even know that was actually a kind of shark. I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, I'm learning from a fourth grader. You know that show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? It depends. Depends on what question you're asking. I'm I'm, I'm regularly learning from them. Because I don't know everything. And you don't know everything. But that's okay. See, God doesn't save people based on your intellectual capacity or your ability to reason well. God saves through the gospel. God saves through the gospel. The gospel's enough. And folks, that is good news. Literally, that's what it means. The good news. And it's really good news to me and you that we don't need advanced degrees to be able to communicate the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus lived 33 years of sinless perfection that he died on a cruel wooden cross for your sins and mine that three days later he got up out of that grave overcoming death, hell, sin in the grave and that he ascended to the right hand of the Father where he reigned supreme for all of eternity. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that we are sinners destined for hell but he is a great Savior who died so that we might be saved. So that you might be saved. Craig, I can't share it. You can share that. I just told you. You understand? I just gave it all to you. It's right there. Well, there's got to be more. What? What? Peter thought there had to be more too, right? This is why it's really good for us to talk about the gospel in this sermon. Peter and all his people thought there had to be more too. If we keep reading, we read what? Those who are with Peter, hold on, air conditioning got a hold of me. And those of you that complained about being cold in here, I'm sweating, so I don't want to hear it. (laughs) Verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. The circumcised, who are these people, right? These were followers of Jesus who believed that if you were really going to be a believer, a follower of Jesus, that what you had to do was first adhere to all the Jewish customs, and then once you'd done that, then you could be a follower of Jesus, right? They believed that it was a lot more complicated, that you had to be circumcised, you had to obey the law. They believed all this was necessary. So they were in utter amazement. Don't miss that. They were amazed. This is not just simple amazement. This was... I can't believe that God would save these people. Because they assumed there was more to it. But folks, the gospel's enough. You don't know anything else? Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes... Believes in what? In the death, burial, and resurrection. The vilest offender who truly believes. That moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Right then. The gospel 
is enough. So I ask you this morning, wrestle with this passage of Scripture. Show me what amazing sermon did Peter preach. Peter preached some pretty amazing ones, but when he got to Cornelius' house, this was kind of a dud. Right? Here's how we tend to talk about my sermons on, uh, on Mondays. We stole this, this language from Luke Talbert years and years ago, and we just stuck with it. So every Monday, we walk into our staff meeting, and one of the first things we do is we talk about worship, uh, how the service went. And so we first criticize Kevin for anything he did wrong. Um, we criticize Adam and Buster for anything they did wrong. And then we open the floor up, and I just ask this open-ended question, how was my sermon? And then I kind of cut, curl up in a ball and wait for all that they're going to say. And sometimes it's, well, you know, it was okay. Other times, but we, we've got to where we felt like we needed a way to, to sort of gauge them. And we use the baseball analogies to do it. I don't hit a lot of home runs. Okay? Who laughed? <laughs> Jerk. Let's see you do better. I don't hit a lot of home runs, right? I don't. And if we're not careful, then we just get all down in the mouth. I want to hit all. I do. I want to get up every Sunday morning and just crush it. Man. Triples are pretty rare. But you know what? We're okay with a single. What's a single? A single? It wasn't heresy. <laughs> wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. You know? And guess what, Craig? If you'll hit four singles this month, we get somebody across, we get, we get somebody across the plate, we score a run, we're okay. But if you can hit two singles and a home run, look what happens. Look, Peter didn't hit a home run right here. He hit some home runs, this wasn't it. This is a single, solid single. But the Holy Spirit, like a gust of wind in the outfield. Peter hits a can of corn and the Lord takes it and runs off with it and guess what? Knocks it out of the park. Why? Because it was the Holy Spirit who fell on these people. It wasn't Peter. Y'all worried about what you're going to say? Peter gets up and says, well, Jesus told me to say it, so I'm here. I mean, can you, like, that's kind of what it's like. Mr. Peter, we've all gathered to hear you speak. What is it? Simon? What do you have? Well, Jesus told me I need to come do this. This is what Jesus said, so fine. Here it is. It's all I got. You imagine like one of the circumcised people like, seriously, this is all he's going to do? He's not going to talk to him about the Old Testament. He's not going to talk to him about the Ten Commandments. He, he didn't even say the Shema. Peter said, Jesus said I needed to, so here I am. And then in verse 42, boom, the Holy Spirit falls and they go, <gasps> You don't need an amazing sermon because you have an amazing Savior. You have a powerful gospel. So I ask you this morning, is anyone beyond God's reach? No, absolutely not. But some people may be on the willingness of God's people to reach. You hear that? I'll say that one more time. Is anyone beyond God's reach? No. But some people may, beyond the, may be beyond the willingness of God's people to reach out with, to, and to share the gospel with. See, no one is beyond God's reach. The question is, are you willing to go?
Two invitations this morning. The first one, just to be totally honest, comes all the way back from the first part of this sermon. There's some of you who have been believers for a long time and you're clinging more to the traditions of man than you are to the word of God. There's some of you who know that there are certain areas of God's word that you really need to conform your life around, but your pride just won't let you let go. Today needs to be the day that you repent before the Lord for putting your own traditions ahead of his word. There's others of you today, though, who need to repent before the Lord because you've just not gone. There's nobody beyond the reach of the Lord. But the reality is that you've got friends or family members who don't know Jesus. And the reason may simply be that they're beyond the place that you're willing to go. You don't have to know everything. Jesus is enough. If you're here this morning and you don't know him, you might be that person sitting out there going, this wasn't a great sermon today. That's okay. It's okay if you feel that way. Because what matters more to me than anything else is that you would hear that God loves you, that Jesus died for your sins, and today can be the day of your salvation. Today might not have been a great sermon, but we know a great Savior, a powerful gospel. However the Lord's at work in your life this morning, we're going to stand and sing, and as we do, would you respond? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I love you. Thank you, Lord God, for loving us first and more. Forgive us, Lord, when we put ourselves ahead of others, put our own ideas ahead of your word, when we fail to love as you love. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us this morning as we sing.